0: Tracks in sci-fi with me,
1: Welcome to Trexan Sci-Fi, everyone. On today's podcast, show number 202 for December the 7th, 2008. So we're going to be covering... Hey, guess what? Superman, yes. We're going to be looking at... uh, mainly Superman in the movies and in television, all the live-action incarnations of the Man of Steel, uh, focusing uh, quite a bit on the films, uh, like I said, and uh, his television appearances. Uh, i going to try to avoid the cartoon shows, because the, the show would just be three hours long then, I think, if that's the case, so... But, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to do a show about uh, Superman for quite a while. So that's going to be this week's uh, main uh, subject. You're going to cover most of the show with that. Got some cool uh, listener contributions to play as well during the show. We'll talk a little bit about Star Trek, I think, in the movie uh, early on and a couple other little announcements and things. But uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this show. Superman's a big hero for me over the years. And. Uh, Well, let's uh, listen to a little bit more music, and we'll get into the show here in uh, just a few more seconds. welcome back folks uh this is rico and of course this is trex in sci-fi i really uh appreciate all of you uh downloading another one of my podcasts and listening to it wherever you happen to be you know in a plane in a car in a train do people take trains much anymore i don't know (laughs) on a bus maybe just sitting at your computer Uh, again welcome welcome to this week's edition of the show Uh, as you heard in that opening bit of music and intro tried something a little different and uh I uh, just, I'm so excited to do this Superman show. I've got so many things I want to talk about. Uh, The show could easily go way long, and it probably will a little bit, but it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I I finally am going to try to tackle and uh, give you guys all a little bit of insight into uh, the Man of Steel and over the years, where he came from, uh, and all the different, uh, you know, kind of uh incarnations and views that they've done with him in the movies and tv uh all over um gosh it's been you know about s- almost 80 years worth or so of superman now well 76 i think yeah, we'll we'll get to that history in that t- in a few minutes. Uh, uh, thanks again to uh, Tanru or Metron, as he used to be known on the forums, for that Wally intro there at the very beginning of the show. I, I finally, believe it or not, I finally got around to watching Wally last night. Yes, I know, it, it's been out for like six months. Uh, I missed it in the theaters. There were so many things out last summer. I just didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. I sat down last night though and finally watched it, and wow. Uh, I, I just loved it. It was a great movie, great story. Um, you know, Pixar is just, they, they can do no wrong. Uh, I think this is my favorite of their movies. I, I could watch this one over and over. He's just such a cool little character. If you haven't seen Wally, check it out. Uh, it's well worth watching, and I, I think you'll be uh, very impressed. I mean, I heard very good things about it, and I just, I was kind of blown away by it. I, I just uh, thought it was amazing Uh, I like the message of the movie and just everything about it. So check out WALL-E, and if you've seen it, watch it again. Okay, a few uh, bits of Star Trek uh, information uh, to pass... pass, (laughs) Better be careful. uh, To uh, give to you all, Uh, the first it looks like definitely... I don't know, I think it's like 99.9% confirmed now that uh, the Star Trek experience is going to get a new home in Vegas uh, over at Neonopolis, is that how you say it? Another hotel there in Vegas, Uh, it'll be moving over there and be out uh, and up, I guess, relatively soon, in a few months. So uh, I think uh, it'll be up and going definitely before the movie comes out next May, so that's good news. Uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, since I missed it and never got to the Hilton to see it, so... Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention here, there was a little article, uh, that, uh, was out, uh, it's online in a few places about, uh, Leonard Nimoy talking about the, the film and trying to make, you know, some of the people, some of the, you know, some of these hardcore fans, uh, that are a little bit concerned about the recasting and the way the trailer, you know, looks, you know, this is 90210 in, in space with Kirk and Spock as, as horny teenagers or whatever, um. It's it's not going to be like that. And let me let me just read a little bit about what uh, Nimoy had to say here. This is about J. J. Abrams. He's referring to. Uh, he says there are some directors who can manage a grand scale and some who can deliver great personal character elements. Not many can do both. J. J. Abrams is one of the few. He has given us a wonderful film. And you know, I I've watched J. J. Abrams work on on TV shows and in film for a while, and I completely agree with that. I think he focuses both on the, the action elements and the character moments, too. A good example of that, uh, which is a film film that I liked quite a bit, uh, Mission Impossible 3, that he directed. I think he really brought a lot of character elements into that, made the franchise a little bit different, but also provided a lot of good action. And uh, I think if you look at that, and then you look at the Star Trek trailer, I think there are... It, it, it's, there are there are similar elements. He has a certain style of doing the way he uh, does certain things. So anyway, check that out. I also think there's some influences of what his style is like on the new TV show Fringe, which I'm really enjoying quite a bit. Uh, each episode gets more and more interesting. Uh, Nimoy went on to say, uh, let's see, he says, uh, this is more in regards to the specifics of the story and the canon elements. Uh, he says, I think these writers and J.J. have taken great pains to see that they honor the Star Trek history and the Star Trek canon. I don't think there is going to be any problem with that at all. This is not an issue. I have seen quibbles on the Internet with people very nicely concerned, saying, who else can play Kirk and Spock? It's not possible. Well, it is possible. Don't worry. Uh, Once people see this film and how good it is, all those quibbles will go away. What else does he say? Uh, are are they respectful? Are they trampling on history? Will the canon be intact? None of that stuff is going to happen. Don't worry. Basically, he's saying uh, that it's a solid movie, and this is the kind of thing I've been going back to for quite a while about how how much I I believe that if since you know it's like Nimoy, they he didn't turn it down. They didn't go to him and then turn it down, and they made a movie without him, or you had to work around him and cast somebody else he was very impressed by the script and and that's what got him on board. And I, I sincerely believe he knows Trek. He knows what the characters are about. He knows what the audience and the fans will respond to. So again, he is to me, the biggest, uh, you know, solid element of making everyone feel like, Hey, this is going to be a good movie. Yes. There are going to be some slight changes and things like that, but it's still going to, the essence of Trek is going to be there. So, uh, I think that's great news, and I'm, of course, looking forward to it greatly.
0: I think if she watched Empire, she would want to watch Jedi. The way that Lucas planned it, um, Star Wars, A New Hope, was supposed to be able to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. And so it does have a conclusion. That's why we you know, chose... It's not like watching Fellowship yeah. of the Ring where you're like, oh, I just sat here for three hours yeah. and <laughs> this stupid story just started! <laughs> It's not stupid. I know, I know. Of course it's not stupid. I love it. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com.
1: Yes, definitely go check out Jen and Angela. That's a little promo for their show, the Anomaly Podcast over at AnomalyPodcast.com. It's a couple of geek girls talking about everything, Star Wars, Star Trek fantasy, uh, Ren Fairs, and and whatever else they can come up with. They they have some very unique takes on things, and I I really enjoy listening to them. So check it out when you get a chance. Uh, A couple of... uh, a brief uh, announcements and a couple other things I wanted to uh, mention here. Uh, one, again, uh, last week I announced that I am uh, selling a, uh, a set of all of podcasts that I've done from zero beta cast to through 200 on a two DVD collection and a nice little box. There are uh, links on the main website and on the and Sci-Fi Forums to uh, order that. Uh, it's a $25 purchase that includes shipping at least to the U.S., Canada, Mexico. Overseas will be a little bit more, but uh, this will collect all the MP3 files, all the casts, everything in a nice little two-set uh, edition and something that you can hang on to and you know, clean off your uh, iTunes directory and iPod and all that for uh, you know saving all those old shows of treks and sci-fi this will go through again show 200 and i think uh it would be nice if you enjoy the show i'd really appreciate you ordering a set uh, they're going to be available for a little while but uh, again uh, you just go to the main website there are links there to order it or you can look at the forums and hey again if you want to uh, sign up on the forums that would be fantastic uh Just shoot me an email right now to register, treksf at gmail.com, to uh, get signed up to join us and our geeky gang over on the forums. And you can uh, look in on the uh, role-playing game that we do, the writing, uh, all the fantastic uh, imagination of the the people on the forum. It's just uh, really great stuff, and uh, we'd love to have you. So check that out. Just shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and let me know you want to sign up for the forum. Okay, before I get heavy into the Superman segment uh, for the show, I want to play uh, the first part of uh, Vartok's musical segment, which appropriately is related to Superman. Uh, this first part, uh, like he does and he has done in the past, uh, is sort of the uh, information and in question segment at the end. Uh, this one's about six minutes here, this first bit, and uh, I will be back after that to get heavily into uh, the whole Superman franchise. So take it away, Vartok. And I'll talk to you on the other side.
2: Hello, everyone. This is Vartalk again with another music and sci-fi segment. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about the Superman movie theme song. There have been a total of five Superman motion pictures made between 1978 and 2006. Although Superman music has existed since the 1940s radio series, the 1950s TV series, and all the way through the current Smallville TV series, I'm going to limit my discussion today to these five movies. The track you've been listening to is the theme to The Planet Krypton by John Williams. With over 10 hours of Superman movie music in existence, I won't be able to do it justice in just a five- to six-minute podcast. Therefore, I'm going to take the approach of concentrating on the opening credits music theme and maybe one other track. So let's see how this goes. music for the first Superman movie was composed and conducted by John Williams and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. John Williams is one of the best-known, awarded, and financially successful composers ever, with five Oscars, 70 other awards, and over 118 award nominations. I am personally one of his biggest fans and consider him to be an American treasure. Even though other composers followed in John's footsteps, All of the subsequent Superman movies continue to use the John Williams Superman themes which have become iconic with the Superman world. John Williams was not available to score the Superman sequels. As a result, Ken Thorne, an 84 year old British composer born in 1924, composed the score for Superman II, which opened in 1980. Ken wrote the score in six weeks and it recorded at the CTS studio in Wembley, London, using a smaller orchestra that could fit in the studio. Ken knew from the onset that he was to use the John Williams cues, to which he had full access. And he noted that no one could have improved on the John Williams Superman theme. When this music was originally released on LP records, a lot of the music was missing. Because in those days, the amount of space on even a double LP recording was limited. The shortfall thankfully reduced with the onset of CD recordings. Ken Thorne was once again tapped by director Richard Lester to compose the music for Superman 3, which was released in 1983. Superman 3 allowed Ken to have more of a freer composing hand owing to the comedic nature of the movie. Unlike prior Superman movies, this one did not start with the credits flashing in space to the classic theme music, which had already been done twice. Ken noted that it was difficult to score for Superman 3 and that it couldn't be decided if it was a serious or a comical movie. Four years later, in 1987, Superman IV, the quest for peace, continued the franchise. Sandy Courage, a longtime friend and occasional collaborator with John Williams, received the tap. You might recall that I did a music and sci-fi segment about Sandy in podcast number 151. Sandy, well known as the composer for the original Star Trek TV theme and who recently passed on May 15, 2008, was one of the greatest arrangers and orchestrators for Hollywood musicals. In Superman IV, he brought symphonic power to the John Williams themes, and there are some who feel his Superman versions were some of the best. Unfortunately, during the final cut of the movie, over a half hour was removed, leaving much of Sandy's additional music on the cutting floor also meaning that entire sequence cues were never heard. In 2006, Superman Returns was released, being composed by 44-year-old John Ottman. This longtime associate of director Brian Singer noted that he had nightmares about this assignment. I tossed and turned in bed every night and had every possible Superman nightmare involving John Williams and people being upset at me no matter what I did. I finally said, I'm not going to be able to be creative if I keep thinking about all that. So I'm just going to walk into this movie like I have every other, and with my own sensibilities, my own style, and take on things, just to integrate John Williams' themes as I would have written it. And now, the poser for later in this podcast. In the world of Superman music, what is considered to be the holy grail of Superman music? Stay tuned, and I'll be back with the answer later in this podcast.
1: Well, thanks, as always, Vartak. A uh, very enlightening and interesting uh, take and, and look at the uh, Superman music in the films. Uh, I've been a big fan. I'm a big fan of movie music and television uh, music as well, and I always enjoy your segments. Very detailed, very interesting uh, information there about uh, the different composers. And, you know, how they have still used the sort of classic John Williams Superman theme throughout, but with little, you know, subtle changes to them. Again, I uh, really appreciate it, and I'll play the answer to Vartok's segment uh, later in the show.
3: Do you love music? Have you found yourself saying this? You know, popular music just doesn't have enough Star Trek or sci-fi references. Well... You're in good company, and you're in luck, because now you can have your great music and geeky references all with my new Star Trek and sci-fi parody music page. Yep, that's right. I was tired of waiting around for my favorite artists to write Star Trek songs, so I borrowed their music and I made it myself, and now you can enjoy it for free. Check out hits like Another One Becomes Us or Life is Just a Holodeck. Ship in a bottle and humans playing Dome jot—that's just a few. Head over to www.christrocks.com/parody and treat yourself to a plethora of Star Trek and sci-fi MP3s inspired by Rick Dosty's Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. I have a whole page dedicated to music that every geek will love. So log on today and head to www.christrocks.com/parody. You won't be sorry. Rock on, fellow geeks. In the decade of the 1930s, even the great city of Metropolis was not spared the ravages of the worldwide depression. In the times of fear and confusion, the job of informing the public was the responsibility of the Daily planet, a great metropolitan newspaper whose reputation for
0: clarity and truth had become a symbol of hope for the city of Metropolis.
1: Okay, folks, here we go into our segment on Superman. Indiana is a fictional character, of course, a comic book superhero, widely considered to be an American cultural icon. Created by American writer Jerry Siegel and Canadian-born artist Joe Schuster in 1932, while both of them were live- living in Cleveland, Ohio. And they sold it, though, to Detective Comics uh, shortly thereafter in 1938. And the character first appeared in Action Comics No. 1, which came out on June 30th, 1938, and subsequently in various uh, radio, serials, television programs, films, things we're going to cover today on the podcast. This, uh, The origin of uh, Superman has uh, been told many times, of course, Kal-El from the planet Krypton being rocketed to Earth as an infant uh, to uh, you know, to save him, uh, the sole survivor of this alien race, and uh, of course he arrives on Earth and sets out to uh, do good and become this uh, well, just icon that uh, everyone has uh, probably around the world knows about. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys all a little bit of background and uh, things uh, some people might uh, know, and and that uh, he's also known sort of as the Big Blue Boy Scout uh, in. He's always been a little tricky to do in comics and on screen you know superman the the situation with him is he's this like you know he's like a god practically he's super powerful uh unstoppable uh he he's he's obviously very good and tries to always do the right thing and it, it's a tricky thing to do in comics batman being a much more interesting and conflicted hero has always been a little bit more interesting i think for them to do but but i think superman has a lot uh, to offer and uh, i've always very much enjoyed his character in the comics and on screen as well interesting thing that i found out is that siegel and schuster they they first had created a, a bald telepathic villain bent on dominating the entire world uh this appeared in a short story called the reign of the superman uh in a in a thing called the science fiction fanzine science fiction number three back in 1933 but they eventually siegel rewrote the character and turned him more into a hero and that's the superman of course that we know now Another interesting bit of uh, information here is that uh, Siegel, he might have been inspired to create the Superman character... Due to the death of his own father, Uh, Mitchell Siegel, uh, his father was an immigrant who owned a clothing store on New York's Lower East End. He died during a robbery attempt in 1932, a year before Superman was created. And although Siegel, he never really mentioned the death of his father in interviews in regards to creating Superman, there's some uh, several historians and people that know Superman very well believe it must have affected him. You know, it, it, there's a definitely a connection between the loss of his father and uh, this creation of a, a superhero. He, you know, his father dies in a robbery, and then you invent this bulletproof guy who becomes the world's greatest hero. It, there's definite connection there. But uh, anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed that uh, just brief synopsis of where Superman came from. Uh, In the comics, of course, that's uh, where he started, uh, you know, way before uh, he showed up on radio and then eventually on television. But we're going to focus most of the rest of the show here in sort of chronological order about his uh, various uh, appearances uh, in film and in television. And the first uh, show that I want to cover is something that I kind of grew up on, the reruns of the George Reeves uh, playing Clark Kent Superman on the uh, 1950s television show The Adventures of Superman.
0: Faster than a
4: speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman.
1: Okay, that uh, of course was the opening theme to uh, the adventures of Superman. This TV series that uh, it ran from 1952 to 1958, ran for six seasons, starring George Reeves with an S at the end of it, uh, for 104 total episodes. Started out in uh, black and white. They actually. Uh, I believe it started out with a movie, uh, Superman and the Mole Men, I think is what it was called. And uh, there may have been another movie before that, before I went to a series. It started out, uh, like I said, in black and white, then eventually was in color. Uh, it started uh, of the other characters. Lois Lane was played in the first season only by an actress named Phyllis Coates. Uh, she, I, I kind of thought she was an interesting choice for Lois. But they decided to recast her with uh, another actress, Noel Nell, who did Lois Lane from uh, season two to six. I think she was a little bit more, uh, you know, the Phil's Coates Lois Lane was a little tough and a pretty hard-boiled reporter girl for the 1950s. And I think, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I think the, the people running the show weren't too happy with that. A very modern woman on, on a TV show from the 50s was a little hard, especially when you had shows like Ozzy and Harriet on and things like that. But uh, anyway, Noel Nell uh, did a great job as as Lois in the later seasons. Jack Larson was Jimmy Olsen, John Hamilton, Perry White. Just a great group. Uh, Robert Shane uh, played this uh, policeman, Inspector Henderson, who was always there to help out. And uh, Now, the, the big thing about this show, of course, later on that it sort of soured it maybe to a degree but george reeves turned into uh i guess uh, you know he had a lot of trouble after this show and he was so typecast as superman he had a lot of trouble getting uh, other parts later on a re- very good movie uh with ben affleck uh playing george reeves uh and, and sort of a a fictionalized account of his later days is called hollywood land if you're at all interested in this series in that time frame uh there's been some controversy the, the general story is that George Reeves, being so typecast, eventually became very depressed. He couldn't get other roles and and eventually committed suicide, uh, although there was a lot of uh, evidence and some interesting things that perhaps he was actually murdered. Uh, you know, check out Hollywood Land. I, I'm not going to, like, try to say any, any way, one way or the other, what happened in this situation, but I, I just think that that uh, whole scene and controversy and the fact that he was so— iconic in this role and there were so many parallels later in a way to uh with christopher reeve which we'll talk about later in the show here that i wanted to bring that up so check out hollywoodland it's a very good movie whether you buy into uh what they are 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 selling in the film that's up to you but i think it's a, a very well done film and worth watching And uh, Ben Affleck is pretty good in the role, too, as well. So that's Adventures of Superman. A couple other little things. This show was in reruns when I was growing up, and uh, I found it sort of comforting. Uh, My father had passed away when I was fairly young. I think I've mentioned that a few other times on the podcast. and, And actually, George Reeves and my father... Uh, had a very similar appearance Uh, facially maybe not my dad wasn't quite as big as George Reeves the barrel chested George Reeves was on uh, the adventures of Superman but uh, he was fairly athletic Uh, he actually used to play with um, in off seasons with the Detroit Tigers a little bit and my father was uh, you know you know my icon my hero and when he passed away I think I I kind of glommed on to George Reeves and, and playing Superman on television and and I can distinctly remember uh, watching those episodes, uh, you know, in the months following when my father passed away and and kind of being comforted. And then eventually Star Trek and the role models there kind of helped, uh, helped me out as well. So there's some, you know, deep psychological insight into my character. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I thought I would just pass that on for, uh, for all of you who really want to get into Rico's head. Hey, third person, now time for some green tea, and we're going to go on to— uh, The next, uh, like I said, we're going to go kind of chronologically. And uh, the next thing up that I want to cover, because I'm only sticking to live action, not cartoons. There were a lot of Superman cartoons, the Super Friends, and and things like that during the 60s. And, uh, of course, there was the big uh, comedy-type Batman show, but we're talking Superman. And I think the next thing we have to get into, of course, is Superman, the movie from 1978. My friends, I'm not given
4: to wild unsupported statements. And I tell you that we must evacuate this planet immediately. Jor-El, be reasonable. Once there was a civilization, much like ours, but with a greater intelligence, greater powers, and a greater capacity for good. There was one survivor.
0: Now wouldn't that be all get out?
4: Because of the wisdom and compassion of Jorel, because he knew the human race had the capacity for goodness, he sent us his only son. His name is Kalel. He will call himself Clark Kent. But the world will know him as Superman. This year, Superman brings you the gift of flight. Superman, the movie.
1: Superman the movie came out in 1978, and of course started the whole uh, long uh, trend of uh, not trend. <laughs> started with uh, Christopher Reeve in the role of Clark Kent slash Superman or Kal El. These uh, these films are just to me, you know, some of the best uh, tellings of the Superman tale that have ever been done. Uh, the first one is just so epic, uh, directed by Richard Donner uh, and, and Christopher Reeve. Let me just, uh, I guess now is a good time to uh, to say what I think about that. And, and uh, you know, this is the same thing everyone usually says about him. You know, he is just by far and above the best uh, person or the best actor ever to play the role. Uh, you know, what happened to him later with his accident and just how he dealt with that. And, you know, in interviews and eventually appearing on the Smallville TV show just showed, you know, the kind of character he really was inside. And, you know, a lot of people would have just sort of hidden away when something like that happened to them. I don't want to get into a lot of that discussion right now, but I just show. I think it shows so much about how he was perfect for this role. And the, the movie is just very well done. You know, it starts out on Krypton. You get some history there. Then it goes into the the whole other part of it, which is, of course, once he's uh, grown up and takes a, a job on the Daily Planet and starts uh, acting. You know, the the dual personality situation of Clark Kent uh, and Superman, and and just Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. It, it's just a great film, the first one. And I think it still holds up today. Yeah, maybe it doesn't have the you know the, the, all the CG and the kind of effects they can do and like they did in Superman Returns. But it, for some reason, just the acting, the characters, the story, the way they put it all together just really works still for me. And you know with me, with that kind of just everyone was so deeply committed. you can see it in this in this movie that they put together the the you know those little things like the effects and maybe his flying isn't quite as smooth as they can do these days it doesn't really matter it's it's just there's something about it that's very timeless kind of like for me like watching the wizard of oz even though you know it looks maybe a little bit hokey to modern uh audiences and modern eyes it's just how earnest and how you know much they wanted to make a really great film here and, and it shows. Now they, they filmed quite a bit of Superman 2 during the time they made Superman 1 and that turned into a whole controversy. The, the sulkins uh, who were the producers of these films had a lot of disagreements with Richard Donner and eventually hired a guy named Richard Lester to work uh, and direct uh, Superman 2. Uh, which he ended up still having to use a lot of Richard Donner's footage in that movie, along with some other things, and they changed quite a bit, too. And the funny thing, interesting thing out now is you can you can get a copy. Uh, it was released a couple of years ago uh, of the Richard Donner cut of Richard Donner cut. Cut? Cut? What did I say? Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, which we'll be talking about here in a minute. So, so anyways, yeah, Superman, the first movie, did very well. Uh, You know, I love the tagline for the film, You'll Believe a Man Can Fly. And when this film, again, first came out, I saw it in the theater and I was blown away. I mean, even though, like I had said earlier about CGI these days, that was the most amazing look that we had ever seen. You know, if you go back to the George Reeves TV show, he would sort of jump on this little thing, hop out a window. And his flying and the way they showed that was very, you know, very low budget and, and early special effects. But when they went to do the Superman the movie in the, you know, later 70s, it was amazing. There are some scenes still in that movie that still blow me away even to this day. Uh, a couple of them, especially when he first flies out of the Fortress of Solitude and the scene where uh, he is the, has the kryptonite sort of big necklace around him. And the girl takes it off him, and he and he jumps up after he revives a little and blows out of the ceiling of Lex's uh, lair there. Just, just great, uh, great stuff. Oh, I have to say a little bit about Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. I thought he was really good in the part. Uh, it, it's a tough thing to play, uh, you know, this enemy of Superman who's out for you know his own greed and needs, but he's a little comedic, maybe a little bit more than you'd like uh, or that would be appropriate for Lex if you've ever read Superman comics. He's not nearly that uh, kind of buffoonish, although he had uh, Otis to do a lot of that uh, anyway uh, with uh, Ned Beatty in that role, which was very well done. But again, Christopher Reeve, uh, just fantastic in this part. I can't say enough about it. And uh, So let's get on to uh, Superman two from 1980.
4: Superman 2 The adventure continues With the three villains from Krypton Each one with the same powers as Superman Each one dedicated to violence against mankind Think of it Three supervillains Or four if you count him twice the adventure continues in Paris with Lois
3: Lane. I believe this is your floor.
4: And the romance continues. The adventure continues in Washington. The world is on the brink of destruction.
0: Superman, can you hear me?
4: And Metropolis is in ruins.
0: Ah, Superman, help
4: us! Is there no one on this planet to even challenge me? Superman! General, would you care to step outside? cookie
0: huh the big one's just as strong as superman
4: if you've only seen the first part you haven't seen the best part the adventure continues in superman 2
1: So that's the uh, trailer there for Superman 2, which came out uh, in the summer of 1980. Uh, just a great follow-up to the first movie. I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it has quite a few interesting elements. He has that great fight with the three villains, you know, Neil before Zod and and Hackman's back. Of course, all the main cast is back. A lot of, uh, like I said earlier, the the scenes were filmed uh, during the first movie, and they, you know, they were actually thinking at one point in time, it was it was going to be like one big epic, long, like huge movie, kind of like The Godfather or something like that, where uh, the elements from Superman one and two were going to be put together into one monster film? But there was just way too much to do, of course. So they decided the villain story uh, was better for Superman two. Of course, this is the one where Lois learns uh, Clark's secret, uh, learns that he's Superman. Uh, You know, uh, she sees the Fortress of Solitude, they spend a little time together there, and of course he has to regain his powers and become Superman once more to to fight off the threat and the villains uh, that have appeared on Earth. Uh, It just got a great... Group of people in this movie, a lot of fun to watch. This is probably the one you could watch over and over. I think uh, just because it's got some cool scenes and, and and battles, and it gets right into the beginning of the movie. It gets right into it uh, with Superman saving Lois in Paris, which is uh, sort of sets the uh, the stage. The interesting thing there was, you remember in the first movie he pushes that one rocket off into uh, space that uh was the uh was supposed to be the catalyst of what uh breaks open the phantom zone and lets the villains out but they decided to go a different way they decided between the two movies that people might have forgotten about that and they didn't want to really show it again so superman throws the uh that elevator from the eiffel tower into space at the beginning of superman 2 and that he inadvertently releases uh that in that way instead of the rocket from the first movie uh, that bomb releases the Phantom uh, the Phantom Zone criminals who then show up on Earth and uh, start to attack and, and wreak havoc and all that. But a good film, a, a good follow-up to the first uh, Superman movie. Now on to uh, Superman 3.
4: When it's time for adventure it's time for Superman Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3 this time Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis oh I'm sorry and he's got something to sell (laughs) he's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius
0: let me tell you something
4: I can't ski. But then he falls. Ah! Ah! For a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. Well, what would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do. A machine so powerful.
0: Baby! It's Daddy!
4: It can control the Earth.
3: Now, no. getting
4: down to business. Change the weather. Now something. You're a genius. And reprogram Superman.
0: But you never get here.
4: Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you, because I don't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> okay, I think uh, I think that's enough of that trailer. I'm not in like a lot of people. I'm not really the uh, the biggest fan of Superman 3, although I wanted to point out a few uh, things about it that uh, I thought to were interesting. Of course, uh, at this time uh, Richard Pryor the comedian was very popular, so they decided they needed to uh, you know, have some kind of new element to put into a Superman movie. You know, obviously the Man of Steel wasn't enough. I, I don't understand that. The first two movies had done pretty well. But they uh, decided to add a lot of comedy to this one. There, there's a few nice moments in it, though, a few things that I wanted to point out that I liked uh, in the story and what they did. The, the, the first part was with uh, Clark going back and seeing Lana in Smallville and all that stuff at his reunion uh, of Smallville High. I liked that stuff. I thought that was good. Annette, Annette O'Toole as Lana was pretty interesting. And, of course, she shows up later as Martha Kent in the Smallville TV series. The other part that I like about this movie is this dual uh, uh, fight scene with Superman fighting his sort of evil alter ego that uh, is created through this little um, accident that uh, Richard Pryor makes this, I don't know, a dirty kryptonite or whatever it is or messed up kryptonite. There's kryptonite in the comics for Superman that causes all sorts of strange things other than just even the green kryptonite. It's shown up on some of the TV shows that they've done, but uh, in this film, of course, it eventually makes Superman kind of go bad. He doesn't care about things, and he eventually has this sort of fight with the the good side of his personality in this junkyard scene and uh, i think they did a pretty interesting job and are a pretty interesting uh take on that i liked it and i thought those uh, couple of elements made this movie still worth kind of seeing it's certainly not the best of the superman series and next we get into uh, unfortunately superman 4 the quest for peace which uh, is not even as good as superman 3 unfortunately
4: the countdown has begun can we risk not launching. The world is on the brink.
5: Defend the counterattack.
4: And only one man fire, fire. can save us now. What a scoop! Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. But the greatest threat to Superman is Lex Luthor. You'd risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Do you know what I can do with a single strand of Superman's hair? make a pay the flies let's just keep your iq a family secret okay
0: okay <laughs>
4: he's created a being more powerful than the man of steel well, smarter than i thought you'll <laughs> pierce his skin <laughs> dance on his grave <laughs> what are you doing back in the tropics
0: the dude of steel <laughs>
4: Are you going to get it? Is that adorable? Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Jackie Cooper, John Cryer, with Mariel Hemingway, and Margot Kidder.
0: Clark? Clark, things aren't
4: that bad. Clark, stop! As Lois Lane. Superman 4, his greatest adventure, The Quest for
0: Peace.
1: Yeah, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace came out in 1987. Uh, this this movie uh, was, was sort of a statement against, of course, nuclear arms, Superman collecting up all the nuclear arms of the world and trying to destroy them. Uh, eventually, learning, of course, that uh, people have to deal with that themselves. Uh, but Christopher Reeve was influential in the story uh, aspects of this film, and I think there's some good attentions there. They've tried to, to uh, you know, do that in the comics at some point. You know, Superman solving the, you know, the nuclear arms race. Superman's trying to solve world hunger, things like that in the comics. Big, big topics. Uh, and issues rather than just super villains and all, and uh I can see their intentions were good with this nuclear man was kind of a uh, kind of a mistake uh you know, but I like the idea of this you know clone uh, of Superman and this evil uh villain for him to fight it just didn 't all come together very well. The production values were kind of low on this movie, and uh it was unfortunate but i 'm going to take a step back now we 're going to go um. Instead of just Superman, I want to cover one other movie that I really enjoyed. Uh, A lot of people aren't really a big fan of it, but this goes back a few years before Superman 4, chronologically. This one's from 1984, the movie Supergirl.
4: From the producers of Superman, Alexander Solkind presents Supergirl. Like Superman.
5: He's my cousin.
4: Whoa. Supergirl on a secret mission to save her world. You've had your fun,
0: Selena. The game
4: is finished. Starring Faye Dunaway, Peter O'Toole, and Helen Slater as
1: Supergirl. Yeah, there's a uh, short trailer version uh, for the movie Supergirl, which again came out in 1984. This one would have put it uh, just a year after uh, Superman III. I really like this movie. I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of it. Uh Helen Slater as Supergirl is just really sweet and charming and and I think it's a fun movie. There are some things that uh you know maybe they could have done better the villain. I don't really care for that much, but there are just some parts of this film that I just really love and there is a uh, a two-DVD set-out uh, with a director's cut of it that you should check out if you're a fan of the you know, the whole Superman and Supergirl mythos and franchise. I want to play, though, one little bit of the movie here that's just mostly music. The music uh, was done in this movie uh, by Jerry Goldsmith, and I, I just really love this scene. This is after Supergirl Kara uh, first arrives on Earth, and uh, there's a sweet little scene where she's doing this sort of almost... Ballet type uh, flying in a forest, and then eventually takes off, and you you get to hear sort of the Superman uh, theme, uh, or this I should say the super supergirl oh, excuse me the supergirl theme that was created for this movie that really suits her. It, it's it's a you know a lot like uh, John Williams work on Superman, but just a little bit more uh, lyrical and uh, you know I guess sort of a feminine version to a degree. But I I, I just really like this scene a lot and i wanted to play some of the music for you so listen to this and i'll be back in a minute music i really like it uh it's it just sets the tone for the movie quite a bit and uh they uh did a good job with this like i said helen slater i thought was great in the part uh, unfortunately it just uh ended up uh in one movie uh and uh but you can still see it like i said a two dvd set is out uh, with the director's cut uh now we're going to be turning more towards uh television oh i wanted to say one other thing uh, helen slater has made a couple of guest appearances on uh, smallville too and uh, she's just as beautiful as she ever was so uh, check that out if you're a fan Uh, next up uh, the superboy tv series that uh, was on the air from 1988 to 1992 That's the opening credit uh, music to the first season, I believe, of Superboy, the TV series. This was a half-hour syndicated series. lasted for four seasons. The first one starred uh, John Hames Newton as the Clark Kent uh, Superman character. Uh, He was replaced, though, uh, for seasons uh, two, three, and four, with another actor named Gerard Christopher. Uh, who did uh, the Superboy role, and uh, Clark Kent, of course. Stacy Heidick was in this. She was uh, Lana Lang. They didn't have a Lois Lane character. It was more, uh, you know, Superboy in his early days, uh, kind of a little newspaper cub reporter. Uh, and that, uh, it was a, it's a fun little show, syndicated, 30-minute long episodes, and uh, I enjoyed watching it. I think I saw most of the run of this series. So, Superboy, check that out uh, from 88 to 92. Next up, uh, to me, uh, one of the better uh, incarnations and uh, tellings of the Superman tale, a little bit more modern and uh, without his sort of goofy and geeky uh, Clark Kent. This is uh, the Lois and Clark uh, series from uh, 1993. Lois and Clark, or also known as Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. It ran from 1993, September, uh, on ABC to uh, June of 1997. Four seasons, basically. Uh, this one was the Dean Kane uh, Superman, Clark Kent. With Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane, uh, Terry Hatcher, I, especially to me, I, I really enjoyed her as Lois. I think she 's probably the best or my favorite of the Loiss all over the various you know movies and TV shows over the year there 's just something smart and sexy and fun about her in this show and uh, and Dean Kane was a, a very good Superman, Clark Kent, I thought also. I I thought it was an interesting twist to make him not nearly the goofy, bumbling, uh, you know, Clark Kent type that we had seen in the movies and in previous um, film and comic uh, incarnations. It just, uh, he seemed a lot more real. And of course, he was Superman and uh, Clark Kent. But you know, when he was Clark, he wasn't uh, the goofy guy as much. So I like that. Here, the, the his parents are still around, Jonathan and Martha. Martha actually makes his costume for this, and uh, it's a good show, a lot of fun. Uh, the later season, maybe season and a half, got a little bit, you know, weak. I thought, but uh, a lot of fun this show was, and it did very well, and just kind of petered off and and uh, dropped in the ratings. I like the music, though they had good effects, good stories, uh, an interesting uh, John Shea, I think is his name, was Lex in this, the nemesis for a lot of the episodes, and uh, a good supporting group of actors, and uh, a very well done uh, show that I uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. So and, and put Dean Kane on the map, and uh, unfortunately he hasn't been seen as much. Uh, you know what does he do? Ripley's and a few TV movies and things, but. He's still a lot of uh, fun to see in, in stuff. And uh, Terry Hatcher, of course, is on Desperate Housewives now. So uh, that's Lois and Clark from the uh, the 90s, uh, the next in our Superman look. Got a couple more here to cover and uh, trying to, again, stay chronological. Uh, we're going to skip over, I think, now to uh, Smallville and I'll look at that TV series. Yeah, that's the opening uh, theme song by Remy Zero, uh, Save Me, from the TV series Smallville. Uh, this series is done amazingly well. I've enjoyed it uh, all since it uh, started back in 2001, up through the present uh, season 8 that they have airing right now. It's it's really a lot of fun. It's sort of a little alternate version of Smallville, uh, uh, superman and his origins it's not strictly you know what you'd see in the comics or in the previous movies or all that uh, but i enjoy it a lot uh, i think that tom welling does an excellent job as clark kent uh and not really as superman yet this is his growing up period of time the first seasons were showing him in high school and now he's moved on he's a uh, He's working at the Daily Planet now with Lois, and it's it's just a, a good, solid show. The acting and the the all these uh, people on the show have uh, greatly uh, improved over the years. They were very young when they started. Allison Mack is uh, Chloe, is Clark's best friend. Uh, we have just uh, uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Who uh, played uh, Lex Luthor up till uh, at least this season? He's not in it this season. Uh, does an excellent job as Lex, uh, both uh, just uh, a great actor and uh, really can play evil real well. Uh, it's just a great show, and uh, I urge anyone out there again, if you haven't uh, been watching this, you know, pick up some of the DVDs and get caught up on Smallville. It's well worth watching. Uh, it. Uh, for periods of time, it turned into sort of the 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 enemy or villain, uh, uh, Krypton or not Krypton, excuse me, Kryptonite uh, freak of the week. They used to call it. Sometimes it still is like that, but uh, they've gone quite a bit more with it. And uh, there's more with the mythology. It has some great uh, production values. I think they filmed this one up in Canada, like they do a lot of series these days. And uh, it's uh, it's a fun show. A lot of uh, great stuff. And I think it airs at least in the states. Still on uh, Thursday night, so check it out. One more uh, uh, Superman uh, sort of uh, related uh, movie to talk about, which we haven't covered quite yet. I'm going to have to zip through it, or we're kind of long here. I knew that would happen, and we've got some clips to play from listeners still. So, uh, last we'll look at is a Superman Returns, the uh, sort of rebooting movie uh, for Superman uh, back uh, from 2006.
3: This is
4: where he learned who he was.
3: This is where he came for guidance. Tell me everything.
0: Let's start with the big question. Where did you go? Your father used to say that you were put here for a reason. You know, the world can always use more good reporters.
3: Also, awesome. I want to see photos of him everywhere.
0: Hey, hey, welcome back. So you've met the munchkin?
3: Hello. Fearless reporter Lois Lane is a mommy. But if you ask me, she's still in love with you-know-who. Does he still stand for truth, justice,
4: all that stuff? Superman returns.
0: How could you leave us like that? It's
4: not easy for me to live my life being who I am. Keeping secrets.
0: The world doesn't need a savior, and neither do I.
4: So long, Superman.
0: Like Smith. You're bold.
4: Cute kid. Come with me. You're not gonna want to miss this. What's wrong? Lois and Jason are missing. I have
3: advanced alien technology.
0: But millions of people will die. Billions!
3: Come on, let me hear you say it just once.
0: You're insane.
4: No!
3: (laughs) <laughs> no, what the other thing? Superman will not... Run!
0: Bring it on!
4: What are you got, also?
1: Look, in the sky, Chief. It's a bird. It's
3: a
4: plane.
1: No, look, it's... You wanted to see me? Okay, Brian Singer's take on the Superman franchise and mythos uh, from 2006, Superman Returns. Now, what you have to understand here is with the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, uh, Brian Singer in making a new Superman movie was—I mean, you were you are given like the task of remaking something like the Ten Commandments or, well, Superman uh, the movie in this case, and. I really think he did a good job with this movie. There are, again, some people I think that don't like it. I think Brandon Roth does a good job as Clark and Superman. I think he he kind of evokes a lot of Christopher Reeve's appearance and spirit uh, to a, a certain level. I just I think they did what they needed to do to get the, the franchise back up and going. It still includes a lot of the John Williams type of music in there, uh, some epic scenes in this film. Uh, you know, There's a few bumps uh, along the way. I think uh, Kevin Spacey is good as Lex Luthor. I'm not all that fond of who they got to play. I think Kate Bosworth is her name to play Lois. I, I thought she was a bit weak in this. Uh, but Brandon, I thought, was solid as Clark uh, slash Superman. Uh, it's a good-looking, of course, movie. Amazing effects and everything, and uh, well, uh, well worth seeing if you haven't checked it out. Uh, I just I, I was a little sad that it didn't do better and that more people didn't kind of embrace it. I thought this could have turned into a great franchise, and uh, now they're talking about maybe redoing it totally again with who knows if Brandon will be back. It's hard to say, Ray, at this point, uh, but they are looking at bringing Superman again back in a few years uh, in another another film. And I just hope they don't constantly do this sort of rebooting, rebooting uh, over and over. Maybe they should film two or three of them and release them a year apart. You know, really, really knock a, our socks off with a, a new take on Superman. He deserves it. The character is amazing. And, uh, well, I think I'm going to stop now. I, I, I hope that gave you some... Uh, You know, a fun overview of Superman, some things that I uh, have enjoyed watching over the years. And I'm going to turn uh, next over to, uh, we've got some uh, clips to play. The first one up here I'm going to play is Vartok's answer to his music segment. And uh, then I'll be right back and introduce the other clips.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Vartok again. With the answer to the question posed earlier, which was, What is the holy grail of Superman music? Well, that would be the completely unreleased score to the fourth film, Superman IV, The Quest for Peace, where Alexander Courage adapted the Williams themes and added three new melodies. John Williams himself added three additional new melodies, a sultry and sexy theme for Mario Hemingway, the nuclear man theme for the villain, and Jeremy's theme for the small boy who suggested getting rid of all the nuclear weapons. Fortunately, the problem of the unavailable music was finally resolved this year when Film Score Monthly released an 8-CD disc set of source and alternate music for the first four movies, along with bonus music by Ron Jones from the 1988 animated series. This special set also includes a 160-page hardcover book in a blue slipcase with a silver S insignia. Called Superman the Music, or a.k.a. The Blue Box, This highly prized collection, created using only the best source material, is still available today in a second 3,000 copies edition for $125 from Amazon.com. Bartok couldn't resist, and now has a holiday gift coming his way. If you want to hear this music, you can find much of it on YouTube by searching for Superman 4. Oh, by the way, you've been listening to the Superman love theme called Can You Read My Mind?, there is the promise of another Superman movie in 2010 called Superman, Man of Steel, reprising John Ottman as composer and Brian Singer directs. Well, that's it for this music and sci-fi segment, and now back to you, Rico.
1: Oh, Vartok, I have Amazon.com up on my uh, computer right now. Oh, you had to tell me about that. I'm a sucker for something uh, like that related to Superman and the music. It's just... Uh looks good i will link that to everyone in the podcast notes for the week okay next up we have uh, a comment about superman uh, that i received from uh hawkeye meds from meds uh simon on the forum he sent in his thoughts about the superman franchise so here we go in
5: 1980 i was a seven year old avid comic book fan my choice of comic was superman My habit of the time was to cut out Superman from my comics and run home from school holding him out, pretending he was flying with me. I remember being distraught as the wind caught my thin paper cutout and blew it over some of the houses. It was a Saturday morning when my parents informed me that I was not allowed to go out and play with my friends, but that I was to go with them to the local supermarket. Of course, this just wasn't on, and so I did my best sulk and refused to speak. I found it strange as well that we had to queue up to get into a local supermarket, and even stranger, that other children seemed happy to be there. It wasn't until I looked up to see a poster in a glass frame that I screamed. Looking out at me was Superman, flying towards me, and in silver letters above him were the words Superman II. I cried with happiness and clapped with joy, and I sat in that cinema with my jaw open and felt my world was complete." For my Christmas present, I was given a Superman costume in which I wore under my normal clothes and showed off my S to anyone who would look. Why was I so impressed by a man whose actual fake ego was Clark Kent? I say this because unlike Spider-Man and Batman, whose costume was their hero outfit, Superman's outfit was a suit and glasses. His normal clothes were his blue and red suit, the suit which was made from the material he was wrapped up in as a child. But I digress. For me, Superman wore glasses from the age of five I've had to wear glasses and in the late 70s in the UK the NHS would provide you with some rather horrible thick black REM specs that did nothing for your ego ironically this style is now fashionable today and I actually wear some similar but in 1980 only the nerds, geeks and weirdos wore glasses so when Superman put his white shirt and tie on and then finished off his outfit with his glasses I felt 100% better and the next day at school I want my glass of your pride and my Superman costume under my shirt.
1: Ah, Meds, I can totally see you doing that. (laughs) That's a great little story. I uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time and recording that and sending uh, your comments about your early days uh, as uh, 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 secretly Superman. Uh, next up, we have uh, the Moyers and, and their look at Superman. Uh, I think this will be both Rick and Nathan uh, with their father and son a review.
3: Hi, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this it's is the father, father and son, son review. review. Rico, thank you so much for reviewing Up, Up, and Away. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's, it's Superman. Superman. We love Superman. Well, I love Superman. Do you love Superman? I love Superman. Actually, Sup- I love Lois Lane. Well, yeah. And you can. That's because you're not married yet. I can't love Lois Lane anymore.
0: Awkward.
3: <laughs> okay, so let's see. We've been fans of Superman for a long time. used to read the comic book when I was a kid. Um, as time went on, they I remember... read the comic book when you were a kid? Yeah, they... Yes, they did, Nathan. No. I was born in 1965. Superman was out, I think, before me. But anyway, actually. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I remember watching um, the cartoon Super Friends and seeing Superman and liking him a lot on that. Um, remember, I well, I remember when the first movie came out with Christopher Reeves as Superman. And that was such... The movies were so fun. The first movie was great. Second movie was my favorite, and that was the one with General Zod. Remember that? Yep. Bow before the general that, that was just a great great one and then of course superman 3 that was interesting that got a little bad and then superman 4 that was a little bit worse that was a lot worse with richard Pryor and the with the random guy sun guys yeah anyway the the movies kind of went downhill what'd you think of of superman returns um the newest um it was okay yeah and then, of course, we always pick up the cartoons when they come out. Like, uh, we got Doomsday. That was probably better than the, the last four movies. Yeah, I really liked Doomsday. It was excellent, excellent cartoon. Or animation, or whatever you want to call it. But then, of course, we've also watched Lois and Clark. Do you remember seeing that? With at all? Um, Jim, James Dean? No, not James Dean. Close. Dean Somebody. Dean Somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, Terry Hatcher yeah played Lois yeah and then of course we watch smallville yep and that's you know i mean yeah. that's way better than any of the stuff has ever been yeah and this season especially is really good isn't it very good yeah i'm surprised without lex and without lana it the stories are pretty darn cool he's you're eating again you always eat when I'm we drinking. do these things I'm drinking yeah okay well you're drinking a coca-cola out of a ornamental bottle Anyway, so what did you like the most about the whole idea of Superman? What what do you think is cool about Superman? Well actually I think Superman's a little bit of a cheap character in some ways, actually. How so? Well he's like invincible. No. No, he's not Kryptonite 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 kills him or hurts him, maims him. But that's his only weakness. Well wouldn't you want to be like that? Well yeah, but what out of all the powers, what power would you like to have that Superman Mm -hmm. has? Laser vision. (laughs) Laser vision? (laughs) No, you want x ray vision, is what you want. (laughs) But I won't go there. (laughs) I think I would want to have. I think it'd be really cool. Oh, wow. Look at that skeleton figure over there. I'd like to be. So cute. I'd like to have, like, (laughs) superhuman strength. I don't know. Flying might be kind of cool, but I'm afraid of heights, and maybe I'd get over it. I would fly. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. So, Superman. All the way around. I don't. There's no way to give Superman stars because he's Superman. We'll give him a Kryptonian S symbol. Okay, and I'll give him five of them. That's what I meant. You want to give him five Kryptonian S symbols? One counts as five, so if you give him five, you're actually giving him 25. Okay, whatever. So, up, up, and away, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this has been the Father Father and and Son Son Review. Review.
1: Well, thanks, Rick and Nathan. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time and uh, talking about Superman and... uh, it's uh, you know it's just been a great run uh, both uh, on on television and to the movies and then on television again. Like I said earlier, you guys mentioned the Doomsday uh, cartoon that they put out. So they've been putting out some both DC and Marvel comics. Uh, you know, DC Comics is Superman uh, had been doing some very cool um, direct to DVD movies animated. Uh, they're going to do a Wonder Woman one here that's going to come out in a couple of months and uh they're very well worth watching i didn't want to get too much into cartoons like the superman cartoon series and and the justice league but those are all great to see as well and uh again once more i'd like to say i hope everyone enjoyed uh hearing about superman i hope uh it was interesting and maybe a little informative but it's it's just something uh i think that uh Everyone can enjoy, and there's just something very appealing about the character, you know, this alien on our planet, uh, the last of his kind, you know, uh, rather than, uh, you know, just using his powers, and he could pretty much rule the world. He, he tries to do good, and, he's, you know, he's humble, too, about it. You know, that's the whole Clark Kent pers- persona that he takes on. He, he tries very hard to just sort of be a, a person and a human, but when a you know a crisis arises, he has to jump in and and try to save uh, save the day. So up, up and away. <laughs> uh, we're going to pretty much wind up the show now. I, I didn't. I I talked about a, a Superman uh, Fortress Crystal collectible that I I have kind of a unique item that if you go to the and Sci-Fi website, go to the collectible gallery, uh, go to I think in the science fiction movie areas, you can see that. So check that out uh, if you missed that when I talked about it on the podcast. Uh, months ago uh, you can take a look at that uh, crystal that I have it's pretty neat it's a one-to-one scale uh, version of the crystal as seen in the film so uh, check that out for the collectible this week I will put the podcast up notes notes <laughs> oh been been podcasting for like two hours now I gotta I gotta wind this up put those up later today uh, and uh, releasing the show shortly after I edit this all together I am going to end the podcast though with another bit of Christmas trek music by Mr. Moyer. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, and check out his website. I put that uh, promo in earlier, ChristRocks.com uh, slash parody, I think was the link again. I will link that in the podcast notes too. Uh, again, thanks everyone for listening this week. Next week we'll be doing a, a Next Generation Star Trek episode called uh, Night Terrors. Yes, that's the one I'm going to be looking at next week on Treks in Sci-Fi. Until then, everyone, have a great week. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.
3: Oh, all I want for Christmas is to join Starfleet Yeah, to join Starfleet Oh, to join Starfleet Gee, if I could only just join Starfleet Then I could wish you a Merry Christmas It seems so hard to unify our planet What with all the factions that are fighting Gosh, oh gee A peace treaty If I could only be Enlightening All I want for Christmas is To join Starfleet To join Starfleet Oh, to join Starfleet Gee, if I could get my planet To join Starfleet Then I could wish you Merry Christmas
0: You've been listening To Treks in Sci-Fi Your weekly dose of geeky goodness and sci-fi entertainment news. This podcast copyright 2008. Rico